What's going on, everyone? Welcome to Progress on Purpose podcast. We are back for another week. We are in season two, the journey to wholeness, and I hope that you have been enjoying the journey so far, the season so far. I have been blessed and encouraged by not just what I've been downloaded from God, but also the conversations that I've been having. If you are listening to the show for the first time, welcome to the Progress on Purpose podcast. I hope that you would stick around, subscribe, and after you listen to this show and you decide to share it with someone, that's all good too. If you are a pop listener, welcome back for another episode of your favorite podcast. I know you've already subscribed, rated, and shared the show with your friends and family. As I've shared before, our goal for 2020 is to have 20,000 or more downloads and at least 1,000 ratings by the end of the year. And I know that this is so doable. All we have to do is work together to share the show. If you have not already shared or rated and you've been listening, not sure what you've been waiting for, but go ahead and do it. Also, we have a mailing list. So if you are not on the mailing list, you want to join it. On Instagram, if you go to Progress on Purpose podcast page, there is a link in the bio where you can access the um, sign up for the mailing list. You can also access a free planning tool that I have for you there, as well as there are several links that will take you to listening to the po- to the platform or to the show. So you definitely want to go ahead and get connected. All right. In today's episode, really, really excited um, for today's guest because she is someone who I don't know personally, but upon having a conversation with her, she is number one, brilliant. Number two, what she does for black women and what her platform is all about for black women is everything. All right. So let me tell you a little bit about her. Sheena Tubbs is a relational trauma and attachment specialist, licensed professional counselor, and love addiction coach based out of Houston, Texas. She is the founder of Black Girls Heal, an online community dedicated to helping women of color break the cycles of unavailable relationships and feeling not enough by healing unresolved childhood trauma and improving self-love. In addition to Black Girls Heal, she has a private practice where she specializes in helping women heal from unresolved childhood relational trauma, love addiction, and changing relationship patterns. She hosts the Black Girls Heal podcast, which talks all about things intimacy, attachment, and healing internal wounds. Her group coaching program, Learn to Thrive, helps give women a proven and tested system to break these cycles and change their life. Let me let you know that you are in for a treat today with this particular episode. I'm so excited to introduce you to Sheena Tubbs of Black Girls Heal. 
Hello, Sheena. Welcome to the Progress on Purpose podcast. I am so excited that you could join us today. More than anything, it brings me so much pleasure to have a platform to share you and all the awesomeness that you bring to the table with the world. After today, people are going to know how dope you are, how valuable you are, and I'm sure you're going to help and inspire so many people to live an intentional life as it as it relates to mental health and being healthy so that we can go on and pursue the passions that we have burning in our hearts. So thank you so much for coming on. Appreciate you. Yes, I love that. My pleasure. (laughs) Of course. So um, I found you on Instagram, as you know, and when I saw your, first of all, with this this season of journey to wholeness, I was intentionally looking for people who could address the different issues um, related to wholeness, whether that be mental health, which is major, um, but relationship um, dynamics, finances, and just different people. And your platform came across as one that could really, really help a lot of people, especially us as women. Um, and you've been doing some amazing work with particularly black women and just women who are dealing with traumatic experience. Please tell us a little bit about yourself and how you came to do the work that you do. Yeah, so I am a Houston native, born and raised. I am a licensed professional counselor by trade. And so I started off doing a lot of things. I've done marriage and family therapy. I've worked with teens. Um, I've worked in shelters and in private practice and residential treatment centers. And along the way, um, I decided to focus and niche down on working exclusively with women and then um, highlighting women of color with Black Girls Heal. Mm -hmm. And the way that I got there is part of my own personal journey um, which I'm happy to share if that's part of what you would like to hear. So I'll just go real deep for the sake of time. So I have always traditionally been one of the women who you might consider an overachiever on the outside, had a lot of things together. Um, everything was pretty easy for me in a lot of ways. Um, I'm well-liked, I believe, as far as in my friend groups. But when it came to romantic relationships, I continued to have persistent issues. And um, for me, I always thought, well, that's just part of the dating game. You know, like, who has this thing Mm -hmm. figured out? You know, like, you date some bad people, you date some good people. Um, But what I noticed over time is that the quality of the men that I was dating, no matter what was going on, in my life outside of it was getting less and less um, close to what I wanted to be. And um, just to be real, real, like I felt more desperation and frustration around it, which would also cause me to settle. Mm-hmm. And so um, that was my pattern for the longest time. I took breakups and I took um, things I didn't work out in relationships with men harder than my friends did and I would always feel like there was something wrong with me and I had a lot of shame and I had a lot of guilt and just wondering why am I the one that's crazy people would say things like you should just love yourself I would do all the things that I was told meant that I was loving myself and um, 
either I would feel better for a little bit because, you know, typically when you're doing those things, like you're spending time by yourself and all that stuff, but once you get around other people, all that stuff just comes back. Mm -hmm. And, um, or I would be doing all the things, but inside I was still struggle with that self-doubt. So eventually it all came to a head. Mm -hmm. Um, I um, reached kind of my bottom, my low. I entered into therapy. I realized and I got a label for what I was dealing with, which was love addiction. Mm -hmm. And um, I learned about the qualities of it. And I was like, oh, this is what has been going on my whole life. And in short, I was using relationships or love or the promise of love to self-medicate some deeper wounds that I started with childhood trauma. And again, I was someone not only that I had had a lot of things going on, I was also someone who would say, you know, things might not have been perfect, but I had a great childhood, you know, or I had an okay childhood, you know, both, I had both parents in the home, um, they worked very hard. Um, I would never consider my upbringing traumatic at all. But once I started to kind of piece some of these things together, it all made sense. And so as I went through my own healing journey, I just saw that one, there wasn't really a lot of stuff about love addiction and the stuff that there was about love addiction, it was kind of piecemeal and I had to put it together. And three, there for sure wasn't anything culturally for women of color. There was nothing about us as black women, what we go through healing from our trauma. And so for a while, um, I had a platform where I talked about love addiction and sexuality and how that comes in and it incorporated everybody. And then I was like, you know what? I just really need to focus and niche down on how this affects us. And that's how Black Girls Heal got born. Mm -hmm. So what are some things that you've found over the time that you've been working with Black Girls um, Heal or things that you've noticed in your work as reoccurring trends or themes that us Black women face? Yeah, yeah. So let me flesh out um, love addiction a little bit more. So some people, especially if you are savvy on personal development and mental health, you may have heard of attachment. And attachment is how we attach to other people is, or the pattern of how we attach to other people was created when we were little girls. And so if we had parents that were responsive and open and consistent with us, we have something called secure attachment, which means that we trust ourselves, we know that we can trust the world because our parents, which were our first relationships, showed us that the world was safe and that we were valuable here in this world. If we had parents that were neglectful or um, um, maybe abandoned us either physically or emotionally, you can have two parents in the home at all times and you can still be emotionally abandoned. Um, or if we had parents that were dismissive or abusive or any of those things, we can have some insecure attachment styles. And those names are things like fearful avoidance or anxious attachment and things like that. So when it comes to love addiction, it's not necessarily your attachment style. Those one of the anxiously attached or avoidant attached which those just basically mean that it's hard for you to get close to people. So you can go back and forth from being very codependent and trying to be who the other people want you to be or who you think they want you to be for the promise of being accepted. But really, typically you're choosing people who aren't going to be available to you. So you're going to toxic people or unhealthy people 
who aren't really going to give you the love and acceptance that you want. And even if they do, because you have this, this image of low self-worth, whether you say it out loud or not, it's hard for you to receive it. Or you may be more on the avoidant end. And so you're the one who's like, you know, you got trust issues. You don't let people in. Um, a lot of women that I see, because you asked about trends, um, will say things about how they don't have good um, female relationships, yeah. um, which I'll get into for in a second. But um, so love addiction is not necessarily necessarily the attachment style, but it's that in every relationship that you have, this is the issue and it's impacting your functioning. And so um, you have a lot of obsession about it. Um, you lose yourself very much in it. Um, and even though you try your hardest to break out of it, you are un unable to. Mm -hmm. So the trends that I see with women who may consider themselves love addicts are um, um, lots of situationships, which I think is just part of what's included in the definition of love addiction. So like you're, you're trying to make something that is not healthy for you work. So someone who struggles with this will be around people and be connected to people who cannot ultimately fulfill what they're looking for. So when they meet someone who is healthy, friendship or otherwise, romantic or otherwise, they um, are immediately either suspicious or they, um, or they lose interest or they find them boring or they don't really feel like there's like a lot of chemistry and, and um, things that they have in common. So they look for the drama, they look for the passion, they look for the intensity which is really just a recreation of your trauma. Um, and then as far as avoided, I kind of already mentioned as far as what it may look like in friendships, um, maybe not as many people that they're close to or actually what it really is. Um, I actually do have a lot of women who have good friends, but the mm -hmm. way that it looks is that you have a lot of friends, but you don't really tell people what's going on with you. So you mm -hmm. wait until the problem is done, until you fixed it, until like you kind of handled it on your own, and then you're just telling them the story afterwards versus being vulnerable and sharing because you don't want to be a burden. You think that you're a burden. Um, you think people don't really want to hear it. Um, you think that um, you're talking about it too much. Um, and these are all things you would never tell your friends. Like if your friends called you and said that things were going on with them, you would never say, oh, I'm tired of hearing this. You know, it's, I mean, if y'all are good friends, you wouldn't. But you feel like people may feel that way about you. You're afraid of taking up space. Mm -hmm. um, so you, you handle things in your own little bubble more often than not. Hmm. So, first of all, I already know that this is one of those messages that will have to be listened to more than once because you said so much, um, about, especially about love addiction. One of the things that I wrote down that stuck with me was when you talked about the childhood situations. And I wrote down the little girl in us is still trying to speak to us. And um, have you found that a lot of the issues and situations that um, we are facing are from childhood experiences that um, we've never dealt with or even sought to understand. 
Uh, yeah, they're, they all are. <laughs> they are all just a recreation of what has not been healed and not been managed. So it's really interesting. We are subconsciously trying to get resolution. Mm-hmm. And so the people that we find that we are in these constant back and forth with or tug of wars or people that, you know, we can be... We can be super, it's not always romantic, you know, we can be super strong and um, independent and loving ourselves. But when there's a certain type of person around us, we can find that immediately we lose our voice or we regress. Um, I had this with an employer of mine. Um, It reminded me of one of my caregivers subconsciously. And so I was like very strong and direct and like, and owning my space, but whenever they were around, it was very hard for me to use my voice. Mm -hmm. And I had to figure out, okay, who is this person to me? It's not not really them that I'm talking to. I'm talking to and I'm intimidated by someone else or something else from my past. And that really helped me move forward um, and figure out what I needed to heal to, to be myself, be my full self in that situation. It's interesting that you say that because I know very well the um, the effects of not dealing with just what you said. So you you encounter someone who, like you said, you find it hard to use your voice when you're in their space. But if you don't deal with and learn what and identify what that is, like you you did. Um, if you don't do that, you portray it onto other people, and then you find yourself like, hmm. Why do I why do I see these same abusive behaviors that I didn't like coming from one situation? Why am I now the person portraying those onto other people? Or why am I rejecting um the relationship, the love, the affection from someone when they didn't do anything wrong to me, but I never dealt with the what happened before me and I just think that like you said, we're subconsciously trying to deal with the the issues from our past. And if we don't address them, it could really, really, really damage relationships. So what solutions do you have or have you found to work for addressing some of the issues and the trends that you see? Yeah, well, there's so many issues. Was there, was there one or two that stood out to you the most? Um, well... Uh, thinking about situationships, that is something that has become so common, I think. And, you know, more and more. When I was growing up, I learned, this is my experience, it doesn't necessarily have to be others, but as a woman, um, in my growing up years, you wouldn't think that situationships would be okay. Like, you know, you messing with this dude you got a situation with him you got a situation with him another one you got a situ- like that was not a thing you wanted to be loyal you wanted to have um you wanted to have you know a, a lasting relationship and I feel like now more than ever the concept of um situationships is is more accepted and this this idea of it's okay to date um, multiple people, which I, I mean, I kind of understand the the logic in it, but it can get pretty sticky, especially if you're trying to find 
yourself in the process and where you fit into certain relationships and who you are in a relationship. So, um, in, in, in being someone who is, um, or if you are someone who is, um, finding yourself always choosing the wrong person, always, um, you know, finding yourself in relationships that you're like, how the heck did I get here? And why did I even choose this person? And what is it, you know, in me that I keep finding the same type of person? Um, that, that, that I know is an issue that a lot of people, a lot of people face. So I guess those will be the one or two. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So before I answer that, let me ask you one more question. Do you feel like situationships happen more within the black community versus others or is it the same across the board in in your opinion? Mm, I don't know. So I feel like, again, this is just my opinion. It could be cultural because, um, and I could be totally wrong, but I feel like it, there are certain cultures who say that this is acceptable and there are other cultures who say that's not acceptable. You have to, you know, be with a particular person and, you know, raise a family and, you know, do do what you've seen done for many, many years. Um, and so I would, I'm going to lean on saying that it could be something that is um, heavy in our community. Yeah, that's a good way to say it, heavy. Yeah, because the problem, I mean, here's the thing. There's fuck boys and fuck girls mm-hmm. in every culture. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's not like, you know, only black people don't know how to commit. But I think, I think this question is like so, I think it's present on mine because I saw two clips from pop culture recently. I saw... Um, the clip from The Real with Lonnie Love, and she was talking about Kevin Hart's documentary and, you know, how he was talking about how you cheated on a Nico, and um, she was saying how, you know, just the history of Black people in the United States with us having broken homes and family and just how it is hard for men and women, but specifically men, to know how to be present in the home and how to be faithful. And that's part of the trauma that we have to heal from. Mm -hmm. Then I saw another clip from The Breakfast Club with Charlemagne talking about how that clip was, he completely disagreed with Lonnie. He said that men cheat because of their ego, because they have their own issues and their own trauma they have to heal from. But it has nothing than that people, we as Black people, he said, should stop trying to blame it on things from the past or really it's our own sense and issue basically here. And, you know, I feel like when I think about this, this is totally connected to situationships. Like I think when I put it all together and when I see at least how we have the conversation with our community, you know, I I think it is very common. I think And I think it is part of what has been passed down from us and us learning, you know, with us like healing and coming together and, um, you know, fighting for um, our own space in this country. I feel like there is still some unlearning that needs to happen. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so yeah, I think, I think as far as what to do when it comes to situations, Relationships. And I, I'm speaking specifically as if an example is 
because I think the assumption when we talk about situationships is we talk about is the woman that's with the dude that is trying to like hold on until he decides to commit or change. And, you know, situationships happen in a lot of different ways, but that's kind of like the stereotype or Mm -hmm. like the prototype. So, um, so if I'm the woman in, in this scenario, I would say that I would acknowledge that there is a part of me that is struggling with my self-worth. Mm-hmm. And I remember when people used to say that to me, it would piss me off. I would be like, I got two degrees. Right. I got this. I got that. I love myself. Like, what are you talking about? But, but I promise you, it's not... Well, I say that not in a way to make anyone feel shame or to make them feel like defensive or anything else. This, you mentioned our little girls, our inner child before. There are parts of us that were never acknowledged, never seen, never cherished, that we don't even know were wounded. Yeah. So it's not like we are intentionally going out in the world saying, let me look for misery and let me look for ways to hurt myself, right? We're just doing, we're just coping the best way that we've always known. And most of the time, the reasons we're in situations is because the way that we've coped is trying to give people the benefit of the doubt, mm. trying to look for the best of other people, trying to, you know, make things work, trying to parent other people. A lot of us were the parents in our homes, even though we were the little girls. Right. Like that is the role that we have had for so long. So it's second nature. And it's hard for us to distinguish, okay, where do I start and where do I end? Which part is my compassion and the fact that I'm a caring, good woman? And which part is my trauma? Like, it could be so confusing. And so when I say it's about self-love, that's what I mean. Like, there's a part of your discovery that you haven't hit on yet, which is why you trying to solve it on your own has not worked. Mm -hmm. Because you've done all the solutions that you know how to do with your logical mind. And now there's something deeper that you have to hit. And so I want you to know this is not your fault. And, and once you start that journey, you you will find out and you and you get there. But it is okay and there is hope. And so you start the journey um, and you have to, along this journey, learn to commit to you. You know, um, part of the fear of letting go of a situationship is... Um, You know, you've invested all this time and energy and it's like you see it's like the finish line is like right there, you know, and like if he would just do this, like everything Mm. except for this right here. And it's like, oh, like it's like I just I can't not keep going because we're so close when really you really you're not that close. Like he has no intentions of changing and it has nothing to do with you or your worth or your value, but just like you have those deeper parts that you can't really touch or um, describe or even realize that are there. He has his own stuff as well. And so he doesn't even know where to start or when to start. And so and so it's up for it's up to you to say, you know what, I can learn and I can believe that I can think that someone is a great person and I can really want the best for them. But that does not mean that I have to sacrifice my life 
because I think that they're a great person and because I think they're redeemable and because I think they're potential. I get to choose what are the standards that I live by. And I can truly love this person and say, you know what, but this right here, this isn't going to work for my forever. And it's about that fear of letting go of fear that there's nothing on the other side. You kind of, you make this person your God. Mm -hmm. And that's what, no matter what your religious background is, it is a form of worship because you start to believe that he or she, depending on your orientation, he or she is the end all be all. If I don't make it with them, there's no other person that's right. going to meet, which is why you don't break up with them, right? Mm-hmm. He he or she is it. And and that's a really deep fear, like, because on the other end of that fear, every person that we're in a relationship with is just a symptom of the problem. So going back to what I said before, I'm with you, you, this type of person that I'm with, you're just a representation of a form of trauma. You're just one of my caregivers or a mixture of one of my caregivers, but I'm trying to get to love me. Mm. And if I can't get you to love me, then that means I'm not lovable. And that pain right there and to be left without that, that is, that is um, excruciating. That's devastating. That's something no one wants to hit. And so that's why it's hard to leave those situationships because you don't know if it's just going to be you on the other end. And also you have learned subconsciously that you are not enough, that everybody else is more important, that um, your value comes from other people and what they think of you. Mm. Do you think that there also um, is a dynamic where the the this right here that you were talking about that one thing that the guy can't get right or the girl can't get right that keeps changing because of insecurities that the other person has or um something that they haven't discovered within themselves to be okay I need to deal with me because I keep seeing the wrong in this person or what this person cannot do and um I'm not you know what I'm trying to say Yeah, I think so. So let me answer and tell me if I'm on the right track. Mm -hmm. So what I have noticed is when I say there's just this one thing that's missing across the board, anytime I ask my clients what the one thing is, it's never just one thing. So Mm -hmm. in their head, they conflate it all to, well, it's just that fill in the blank. Mm -hmm. But really, as we break it down, is that And so where you live in this fantasy of who this person could be versus who they actually are. And so it's back to what I said before, as far as you stay, because you're trying to get this flawed person, just like you had a flawed caregiver or some, some wound in your past, you're trying to get that um, flawed person from your past to love you. And by, by proxy is this other person. And, and also the killer part is, even if you were to magically get this person or if that person decided to do their own self-love healing work, you still wouldn't feel good enough. It, it still wouldn't work. You know, we talked a little bit before we started recording and I also said as well, you know, that's why we can get with people who are healthy, who treat us well, who are responsive, who are open, who are good to us. And we still feel 
uncomfortable. We feel like we can't trust it. We feel like we can't open up. We feel skeptical. We feel more exposed, if anything else, because now we're with someone who actually sees us Mm -hmm. and requires us to show up and be vulnerable. And that's scary as hell. It is. Right? So Mm -hmm. it's never, it's not really about the person. It's not, you don't get that happily ever after. The happily ever after is truly, and I hate it when I used to hear this as well, but the happily ever after is truly inside of you. It really truly is wherever you go, you bring yourself with you in this relationship and in the happy relationship as well. I'm, I'm writing that down. The happy, happily ever after is inside of you. That is so true. Can you share a little bit about your personal journey to wholeness and how you um, came to, because I think I read it somewhere in your bio or somewhere you were talking about a narcissistic relationship that you came out of and was that does that play a role into the work that you do now yeah so that was part of my bottom so um i had dated a lot of um guys who were the almost um the guys who were like very close or guys that i had like fixated on and said that they would be the right ones for me but they didn't really want me back um and so the narcissist um I am fortunate enough to say um, I was in a relationship with a narcissist, but I didn't um, get sucked into it as long as a lot of people who are in a relationship with narcissists. A lot of people um, who are with narcissists, um, you're there for multiple years. Um, and so you have a lot of healing because they will, um, they will drain you and make you doubt all of your worth and then make you feel guilty for wanting to love yourself. And so this, when I got with the narcissist, that was at a time that like I had already started my self healing journey, my eyes were open. So I knew what I was dealing with and I still went forward with it. It's it's a whole thing. (laughs) But, um, (laughs) that's like a whole long, long story. (laughs) And it was like, (laughs) <laughs> no I understand and, and I also because I know someone who and I've been in situations and relationships with people who were narcissists I think I don't know if this is a correlation it's not scientific but us who are overachievers and think that we got you know certain things or whatever and certain things are above us or beneath us rather we fall into those traps because we allow for whatever reason somebody to drain us and let us feel like, you know, or or they play on that whole self-worth thing. Because like you said, how can I not be, you know, this amazing person? I got this degree. I got, you know, this going on for myself. And so when someone comes along and they, they pick at that, it's almost like, like you said, you then go on this subconscious journey where you're trying to make that person love you. So I get it. Yeah. Well, here, here's the gag with that. So, so it's not necessarily that narcissists are attracted to overachievers. We got to break down. Why are we overachievers? Mm. So some people are competitive and they just like the challenge. Some people are competitive because they have learned again, going back to their past that you have to be the best in the room for you to have worth. Mm-hmm. That we're not, not the best in the room, then where does that come from? Right? Some of us are overachievers because we need more and more and more to show that we are good enough, that we're smart enough, that we're pretty enough, that we are whatever. Mm-hmm. And that's a really great mask of 
the low self-worth that's underneath all of it. Some of us have not been in touch with that yet because we haven't failed yet. Or if we do fail, we go when we find something else to exceed in. And really it's just, you know, there's so many things that we do that are functional and culturally and socially accepted coping mechanisms when really they're just masks for um, something deeper. Mm-hmm. So like love addiction for the most part is something that people will like laugh at and say, yeah, I'm a hopeless romantic and I fall in love with love and I love hard. And, you know, depending on what's happening, people aren't really going to give you that much flack about it. Mm-hmm. Those of us who are workaholics, especially as black women, that's praise. Like go get your coins, sis, start your business, get right. that degree, like show up when really what are what are we achieving for? Are we achieving just for our own pleasure mm. or for our own pleasure plus something else? Mm-hmm. So the way that this is connected to a narcissist, if we have a lower sense of self-worth deep down, something that, again, like I said before, we don't even have words for, we're not, we're not aware of. When he does his first sideways comment, we are going to go towards um, band-aiding it or explaining it away or saying he didn't really mean that or whatever else, you know, just like we've always done versus when we have a very healthier sense of self, typically we're the ones who will say, you know what, these are my boundaries and these are my standards. Like a narcissist, what they do, no narcissist comes in straight away calling you out your name, saying you're not worth anything. It's a gradual progression. Right. And so um, when you have a secure sense of yourself, you have these clear standards like I'm not I don't want that. And you will leave the relationship. And um, this isn't to fault anyone because a narcissist can get get to someone who's also securely attached. But it's a lot easier for those of us who are codependent um, and struggle with our self-image. Mm-hmm. Oh, and you were sharing, I interrupted you. You were sharing about your personal journey to wholeness and, and oh, everything yeah. that you had gone through. Oh, yeah, girl. We, we ain't got time for all that. But <laughs> <laughs> listen, they can hear about it on the Black Girls Heal podcast, right? <laughs> I actually have, it's funny, I actually have a master class, and I'm not sure if that's where you, you heard part of my story, but if you go to blackgirlsheal.org/slash masterclass, um, the class is about uh, six steps on how to break the cycles of unhealthy relationships and feeling not enough. And so I talk about my, my journey there. But basically, the reason why I created my platforms is because even though I'm a therapist, I learned through my personal journey that 45 minutes a week was not enough. Mm. Because this stuff will hit you like you'll get through your story in therapy you'll feel a little bit better but then there'll be another trigger you will be tempted to reach out to that ex you'll be tempted to eat that cookie you'll be tempted to to fight with your mama you'll all this stuff will happen and the real and because relational trauma truly gets to the core of who you are you need more wraparound and holistic support and so i I, I mean, even though I still have my practice here in Houston, I'm constantly trying to think, okay, how can I like expand this? And so what I offer on Black Girls Heal in our courses is that expansion. And I've seen women who have been in therapy for years and they get into my programs and they start breaking 
looking and shutting things off that they hadn't been able to do before. Suddenly the lights come on because no one has like been able to like put this together and have that support for them. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so yeah, like, so I got into this journey, realized it wasn't enough, realized that this stuff went deeper. Oh, that's what I was going to say. So I started my healing journey. I was in therapy. I was in this support program and it was after I did all that, feeling the best I ever had, had really great, great friendships that I started dating the narcissist. I had a friends with benefits relationship with someone who was still married. And I had, I was obsessed about someone that I was like, if he could just love me, then things would be better. And this is in the middle of my recovery. And that's when I was like, all right, you know, something's got to give mm-hmm. like this. I, I am, let me figure out how to put this together. And I did. And all the stuff stopped. So. Mm. Well, thank you for sharing. And I'm definitely going to head over and listen to your <laughs> podcast even the more and check out the masterclass because um, like you said, we could be in therapy for years and years and years and not have a breakthrough. And, and some of that could be because our therapist and, and, and the connection doesn't necessarily match to the level that we needed to match to. And also you have a great niche because you're like, listen, black women, this is this is some of the trends that we see and this is how you deal with it. Like you actually have solutions um, for dealing with so much. And I believe that in this time, more than ever, we see black women being, I mean, living their best life, like business women, um, creating so much uh, systems and change and, and, and just amazing businesses like this, this, well, we talked about 2019 was the year of the black woman. I believe 20, the, the rest of the century is going to be that. And our healing is essential. It's the, it's the basis and the cornerstone to all that we do. And if we are not whole um, women, then we're going to continue to perpetuate. And it, like you said, it trickles down to our relationships. And so we can be this overachieving you know, boss lady who has poor relationship dynamics or who can't make the right decisions. And then it, it in turn it trickles into the business or trickles into the family or whatever it is that you're, you're working so hard to, to, to achieve. And so the work that you are doing, Sheena is amazing. Like I said, I am just so grateful that you were able to come on today. And guys, if you want more juicy information about love addiction, oh my God, you you got it. (laughs) You definitely (laughs) have, like, I love what you're doing. Um, It's going to help so many people and including me and, um, don't stop, continue to expand, continue to, you know, reach the people that you can't reach locally through your online programs that is amazing sheena you do have a pop quiz um and this is how i wrap the show up it's basically um just me asking you questions that um you can respond to in a in, in short form and then um, I'm going to ask you to share how people can find out more about you. Like you have already shared your programs and services, but um, your Instagram and, and your Facebook handles and all that good stuff. So here's your pop quiz. Your first question. You ready? I'm ready. Okay. In three words or less, describe your journey to wholeness. 
loving myself truly. I love that. And we could spend some time talking about that truly part. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That that's good. Um, And the second question is, what does progress along this journey look like for you? Um, Progress to me looks like um, learning how to deepen my relationship with myself and with other people um, and continuing, continuing to let people in, um, this healing journey, you never arrive, which can be hard for people who are perfectionists or formal perfectionists or type A. All you do is you just realize there's more that you don't know. The deeper you go into this, the more you realize there's more to heal. And so you accept that and then you, you work on it. I love that. What is one thing that people can do to live an intentional, purposeful life starting today? Mm-hmm. Um, As it relates to the work that you do, of course. Yeah. I think everyone needs to be honest with themselves about how they truly feel. If there is any inkling or nagging ache that you've had that you've been shutting away, or explaining away, or just saying it happened for a moment for you to actually sit with that feeling. Um, Because that feeling is trying to tell you something. Mm -hmm. And it's not until you feel it that you can actually heal from it. Mm. That's like a little cliffhanger, Sheena. (laughs) Because now I'm like, wait, what you mean I'm feeling something and now I got to deal with it? Like, help me out with that. I need you to break that down for me. I love that. Guys, please, please go ahead over to Sheena's about to tell us where to find her. Do it now. If you drive and pull over and connect. Uh, But Sheena, tell us where we can find you. Um, Thank you again. I'm going to keep saying it. (laughs) But thank you. But tell us where we can find you, connect with you, and learn more. More importantly, how to heal. Yeah. So you can find me. My website is blackgirlsheal.org. On Instagram, my handle is at blackgirlsheal underscore. And I'm also on Facebook, blackgirlsheal. Um, And... The best way for you to keep keep informed is I have a freebie that folks can download and you'll automatically be added to my mailing list and get a free gift. And so you can go to blackgirlsheal.org slash roadmap and it'll give you my four-step roadmap to help you heal from love addiction, love avoidance, and love anorexia. So across the board, wherever you are, if you struggle attaching to people, if you attach too much, if you are afraid and have a lot of shame and don't really know how to attach to other people, even though you really want it, that's what you need. You need that freebie. Um, and then you can learn about the different programs I have depending on where you are in your journey. That's awesome. You heard her. Head on over there. Get connected. Get the help that you need. Start the journey to wholeness as it relates to your relationships and healing. Because, girls, we got so much to do. Sheena, thank you so much again. Really appreciate you for coming on to the Progress on Purpose podcast today. And we are looking forward to more and more from you. Head over to Black Girls Here podcast at your favorite listening platform and subscribe and listen weekly. You do it weekly, right? Yeah. How do I forget about the podcast? Yeah, go ahead. Tell tell us about the podcast. I have a weekly podcast that comes out um, Tuesday-ish 
Um, you know, it'd be like that sometimes, but I every- know. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, that's where you'll find me. And I go deeper into each of these subjects. Um, I've heard that people like to binge episodes or so just go through the archive and see what looks good to you and um, get your healing on. Are you available on all uh, the major platforms? Yeah, yeah. Um, iTunes, Spotify, um, Google Play, and Stitcher. Awesome, awesome, awesome. All right, guys, that wraps up this episode. I will see you guys next Thursday for another amazing episode. Until then, keep living intentionally and making progress on purpose. See you next week.